Welcome to episode four in this mini series on leading for justice. If you haven't checked out the previous three episodes in the series, go ahead and check them out. They are on the impacts of shared leadership. How do my students experience school? Talking about how to measure school experience and perception data from students and other stakeholders. And then the last one was how to create shared governance structure. So how do we actually set it up? How do we do this in practice? This one today is going to be talking about an adaptive leadership approach to data analysis. So once we have all of those structures set up, what does it look like within the meetings to be able to look at data, analyze that data and take action as a result in a way that's sustainable and ongoing and not this one-time data dive. So whenever you're ready, you can go back and listen to previous episodes you missed and dive into this episode when you are ready. Here we go. In this episode, we're talking about an adaptive leadership approach to data analysis. So up until this point, we've talked about the benefits of shared leadership, how to measure stakeholder perceptions, and how to set up a sustainable multi-stakeholder governance structure. And now in this episode, we're talking about the inner workings of the structures once you've set them up. The first thing I want to name is that shared leadership is best suited for tackling adaptive challenges. And so adaptive leadership as this field, this theory, those scholars contrast adaptive challenges with technical challenges. So a technical challenge is something that has an easy fix. The solution is very clear, it's straightforward. It might be buying a new textbook or providing training on a new curriculum or a tech tool. There is a simple solution, often giving more information or making a purchase or something like this will solve a problem. On the other hand, adaptive challenges require a lot of deep work, inner work in terms of people's, you know, what's behind the curtain in people's minds, what's under the surface. And up until this point, maybe hasn't even been named in terms of the culture of, of interpersonal relationships and the larger school system. This requires a level of depth and challenge that ultimately makes the problem continue and be really long lasting and, and entrenched versus a problem that is, okay, I know how to fix it. We're going to fix it. It's fixed tomorrow. <laughs> so the essence of adaptive challenges can be captured in this sentence from Heifetz, Grashow and Linsky's book. Quote, adaptive challenges are typically grounded in the complexity of values, beliefs, and loyalties, rather than technical complexity, and stir up intense emotions rather than dispassionate analysis, end quote. So when emotions are high, we have no clear solution. Our values, our beliefs, our loyalties, our habits, these things are being challenged. We are fearful of, kind of losing them, right? All of this is wrapped up in adaptive challenges and it's what makes it hard to actually tackle. And so to get really clear on what this might look like and how this might show up in our practices, Adaptive leadership can take one or more of the four following types. Either our actions do not line up with what we say we value. So we say one thing, we do something else. We hold competing commitments. So yes, we're committed to this thing, but we're also committed to this other thing that directly takes time or effort or attention from this, this thing I just named previously. 
Another way that it shows up are that some things are deemed unspeakable, right? We just don't talk about them. When we kind of have that feeling during a meeting that something is going unsaid, that is kind of the palpable manifestation of adaptive challenges in action. And then a fourth way, again, it could be combined with any of these ways. These ways can all be kind of combined together. But the fourth way is that we divert attention from the problem. So we minimize it or we make a joke or something to kind of take us off track from the problem, or we displace responsibility onto someone else. Oh, well, that's not, you know, the school's fault. That's so-and-so's fault, or that's society's fault. We can't do anything about that. Let's move on. And so these are four ways that we see adaptive challenges showing up. And I feel like we probably already, as we're listening to this, can name and pinpoint exact manifestations of each of those types, or at least one of those types in our school communities or in past communities that we've worked in. So at its best, the reason I'm going through this is because at its best, shared leadership practices identify and dig into these adaptive challenges. So let's look at how do we literally tackle these challenges, right? What does this look like in talking about policy or practices of a school when we're in a stakeholder meeting, for example? So we might ask stakeholders to respond to some of the following questions. And we might ask this in meetings where all of the stakeholders are gonna respond who are physically present or, or virtually present if we're on Zoom, or we might ask folks to fill out kind of asynchronous data collection methods like a survey, or we may have some people who are willing to do some interviews. So someone, either a member of a leadership team or a stakeholder representative or someone externally might come in and interview or offer focus group times for different stakeholders to come together and actually share what's on their mind. And so this form of collecting this type of data can come about in a variety of ways, but here's the questions that we might want to ask the stakeholders. How are you affected by the challenge and or proposed solution? So if we're talking about a problem of practice, if we're talking about a new policy or a change in policy, we'll want to ask, how are you personally affected? What are your desired outcomes? So what is it that you want to achieve here? Do you support a policy change because there is something in your mind that if we do this, this is going to be the outcome. This is going to be better for me or for, for certain groups of folks or for everybody. And here's why, um, you know, what is it that you desire? How would we measure success? If we could tackle this problem or have an effective equitable policy, what would that actually look like? What are your core values and how are they relevant to this challenge? So now we're getting into that underlying stuff, right? Can we name the core values that we feel or perceive are at risk in changing a policy, in viewing data that says this thing that is contrary to the way I've always thought of something, right? What are the core values that are at stake as we discuss the data, as we discuss a particular policy challenge and have people name those? And this might be difficult for people to do. So sometimes it makes more sense for some of these questions to be asked within the context and kind of the, the stage setting that goes into a meeting and having this sustained group of people who regularly over time have built this kind of trust or, or environment of generative dialogue being possible by nature of having met every week for the last couple months or something. 
versus asking it in a survey with no context and no kind of uh, space created for trusting that someone is going to do something positive at the other end or having a framing within that survey that's adequate enough to have someone understand what does that mean, right? What is the question even asking about my core values and how they're relevant? Maybe I don't really understand what's being asked here. So again, keep in mind the various data collection methods you can use. Here are some more questions you can ask. What are you afraid of losing? So adaptive leadership scholars often talk about resistance to an initiative, resistance to a change in policy and practice as loss, right? So it's not necessarily resistance. I'm not resisting for resisting sake. I'm resisting because I fear something is being lost. So ask them to name that. What are you afraid of losing? Is it comfort? Is it time? Is it control, status, independence, my life, right? Like let's, let's get into what is it you are afraid of losing? And once we've named those, um, we can kind of sort through what, what that means and we can hear what other folks are afraid of losing and try to make sense of everything in that way. Once that's on the table, we can dig deeper. And finally, a question to consider asking is what are your loyalties? Again, this one probably best discussed in a group setting with the proper context and the environment that has been really built up to be deeply introspective. But what are your loyalties could manifest as like, well, my loyalty is to the stakeholder group that I represent, and I don't think this policy is in their best interest. But it also might be a hidden loyalty that you don't really realize you have at first glance, which again, that proper context and deep introspection is critical here because it might be like, well, my loyalty is to maintaining comfortability as a white person, right? Or to maintaining this white silence that I have contributed to and has been my go-to is like, I just don't talk about this. That is a deep hidden loyalty that you may not realize that you have, but really is powerful when we can name it because then we can move through it, right? And so some of this work is going to be, um, or some of these questions are gonna be more challenging to answer in something like a quick survey, um, but are ultimately the questions we wanna get to at that deep level of um, decision-making within a leadership context in a shared leadership uh, meeting structure. So those are some ways to really think about how do we gather information? What information do we gather? And then how do we take that information and identify common points of connection across stakeholder groups? So Heifetz and his colleagues, these are adaptive leadership scholars, they call these kind of commonalities across stakeholder groups, hidden alliances. And so they call them that because they're groups who initially they might actually seem in opposition to one another's proposed solutions, but they've identified in uncovering those underlying values, habits, actions, loyalties, a shared value, or maybe a shared desired outcome that once we put that on the table, we realize, okay, yeah, I'm willing to work with you because we both want to get here, or we both want this value to be represented in what we do. And so that's very important to me. I'm willing to you know, do whatever it is that we need to do to work together to make this happen. Another way that adaptive challenges can be tackled in a different kind of framing here, maybe we're, we're in a meeting, but we're analyzing data specifically. Maybe that's the specific part of the meeting. Maybe you analyze data every other week in this particular meeting group. Whatever it is, data should be a regular part of our conversations as leadership and stakeholder teams. So when we analyze data, 
what happens is we often jump immediately to conclusions. We all do this. It's just part of taking in information. What we can do is really check our understanding and check our assumptions that we're making as we're making them in the process of analyzing the data so that we don't let it get out of control. We can kind of reel it back in. So an approach, uh, a kind of theory of this is the ladder of inference, which was first proposed by Chris Argyris. And he details how data is interpreted, how then assumptions are formed as a result of this and actions are taken based on those assumptions. So I'll link to a site in the blog post of this show that explains the ladder in more depth. It uses a visual, it asks several guiding questions that can really help you in thoughtful, kind of slower interpretation of the data. And then at the bottom of that blog post, you can also grab my newest free resource, which is gonna be a worksheet that provides guiding questions and even some sample responses to support your thoughtful data analysis. So there's a lot of supports out there for you to do thoughtful data analysis. And we just wanna make sure we know what those tools are and we're able to use them within the context of our conversations, of our group meetings, of you know, our strategic planning initiatives, whenever, whenever we're using them. And actually let's talk about strategic planning conversations because I think they are a fantastic opportunity to be able to name and confront long-standing adaptive challenges. But I do think that we often miss these opportunities. So in an earlier episode of the podcast, I spoke about how to effectively conduct a root cause analysis with the aim, the intentional aim of surfacing those hidden adaptive challenges. And you'll actually find another resource that is free that is linked at the bottom of that post. So feel free to check that one out as well. I'll link to that episode in in the blog post as well. But the key takeaway from that show and and that whole topic is that we can use Heifetz, Grashaw, and Linsky's call to identify those, those habits, beliefs, loyalties that we talked about earlier. We can identify if we're holding on to one of those. And that kind of acts as a check for our true root cause. If we get to a root cause that's offering up a technical solution, like, oh, people just don't have this information and that's why this longstanding problem has happened. So we just need to tell them this and then it'll all be better. Often that's what our strategic plans do, right? They they add a technical fix to an adaptive challenge and it doesn't work. And we're faced with the same problem five years later when we go back to redo the next five years of strategic plan. And so I think it's really important that we identify an adaptive root cause, right? The habits, beliefs, loyalties we're holding on to that are inhibiting us from success because that enables us to really get at what that underlying habit, belief, or loyalty is, enable us to address it appropriately. And then any other technical fixes, because information, PD, all that stuff that we love to put in our strategic plans is important. It totally will work if the adaptive challenge that underlies the problem is addressed. And so if we address that underlying challenge by naming it, taking action on it, then all those technical fixes have a chance to work their magic, which is really what we want. And we will be able to see when applying this method, actual gains that result in, you know, I always joke about strategic plan saying we want a 
83% pass rate or an 83% improvement in like, no, we want a hundred percent of students to feel like they belong. We want a hundred percent of students to achieve this academic marker. We want a hundred percent of students and hundred percent of all stakeholders to have these positive outcomes, right? And we can do that if we take an adaptive approach. As we think about facilitating these practices and having these practices really be a part of all of the meetings and all of the kind of leadership action that happens in a school through all these stakeholder groups. One of the things I'm really passionate about, and there was a whole episode on this last episode, but structures can make this sustainable, right? So if we put in regular practices, structured ways of encouraging folks to repeatedly do these things, um, we're going to have better success. So of course, engaging in critically reflective data analysis is going to require a clear and sustainable multi-directional flow of information. That is for sure. So we need to have a structure of clear bi-directional or multi-directional communication set up. We also need a sense of mutual trust and partnership, which is going to take time to build but these are kind of the foundational layers that we need to make sure are in place so that the additional structures we're building on are gonna be able to flourish. Another piece to consider is that facilitators, if we have some groups have rotating facilitators where different members will have that leadership role of facilitation each week. Sometimes there is one person who is nominated or voted on who is the facilitator for a group, whatever it is, the facilitator who's leading the meeting should be supported to create the space for generative conversation. And Dr. Sheree Bridges-Patrick has a ton of information and ideas on this. She recently did a podcast episode with me about creating the space for discourse and the super fascinating related notion of safety. So I'll link to that in the blog post for this episode as well, if you want to check that one out, if you missed it. But another structure, so once we have these pieces in place, right, that are foundational, another structure that can remind stakeholder groups or ensure that stakeholder groups and leadership teams are routinely examining data and doing it in this way that enables them to identify adaptive challenges is that they have a shared agenda template for all team meetings. And now this doesn't have to be super rigid. I know different teams have different purposes and everybody wants to kind of make it their own. And that's really important for cohesion of the team, but it could just be a loose outline of activities that includes some prompts or some worksheet templates or something for data collection, data analysis and decision-making based on data. And so the key is to have all stakeholders routinely practicing and honing these skills, which will ultimately help individuals and the larger community flourish. So yes, the school benefits because we're making better decisions and we're leading better, but also each stakeholder gets to advance their leadership skills, which is gonna help them in this context, but also all other contexts of their life. So that's a lot to think about in terms of the data analysis pieces, in terms of what this looks like to tackle policy change, to look at data analysis, how to make sure these are sustained within our team meetings on a regular basis. We're building up those skills and we're having that continued practice. I do want to name that this is challenging work and it requires that whoever is in an administrative position, whoever is in that kind of formalized leadership role, 
this is going to require, if you haven't done this work already, a bit of a shift, a bit of kind of a, a digging deep into oneself to, to kind of change the way that things have been done. If it typically has been done in a top-down manner. And so I'm drawing from an earlier episode in season one, where Dr. Layla Bilal spoke about adaptive leadership. And here's what she said, quote, it's engaging in a collective process of identifying value that others bring. Once we can lay down our egos, our experience, our authority, anything that creates power and this distance of expertise, then we can have a real conversation about what truly are the challenges we're facing here and what sort of learning is required to even tackle these challenges, end quote. That piece about laying down our egos, our experience, our authority, anything that creates power in this distance of expertise, I think that is so profound and it is hard to do. We are a culture full of people who, you know, flaunt degrees and flaunt authority and, and, and are geared to wanting and desiring and maintaining power. So it is a shift in thinking. It is certainly a rethinking of what our priorities are for our school. It requires bravery. Um, but when you do it, when you do this essential work, when you remind yourself and actually live out the fact that the processes that we use to reach important decisions are just as important as the final decisions we make, and they're actually going to be better for our school, when we live out the value of humility and the dedication to lifelong growth and development for ourselves, when we develop and nurture shared leadership structures at our schools, the results that we are going to get from that are so powerful. They're going to deliver us a future that we cannot even imagine on our own. Hard work, well worth it. So that concludes the fourth episode in our four-part series on leading for justice. One more thing before you go. I want to tell you about my new six-week hyper-focused group coaching program just for leaders who want to set up and sustain shared leadership structures that amplify student voice. Each week, we meet for 60 minutes to learn new concepts and skills, share implementation successes, and apply research-based approaches to address challenges. Sign up to meet with me and learn more at calendly.com slash lindsaybethlyons. The program will be open for enrollment through December 22nd, 2021.